Attention. It's real talk about everything for the home. Let's get ready. For homeowners, it's a conversation that includes news, tips, do-it-yourself advice, and a behind-the-scenes look into the trade. I think this is great. Yes. Yes, it is. From LCS Heating and Cooling, this is Talkin' Trades. Real talk with Renee Lucas. Hi, and welcome to Talkin' Trades. I'm your host, Renee Lucas, from LCS Heating and Cooling, here for real talk about the trades and your home. I'm here today with a professional do-it-yourselfer and my dad, Rick Rowland. Hi, Rick. Hi. On today's episode, we're talking about the four most common DIY HVAC tasks that homeowners try to do and tips to keep it from all going wrong. At LCS Heating and Cooling, we are all about lasting comfort solutions. If it's time to upgrade your system, ask us about rebates, special financing, and our free safety package with qualified systems. You can find us at lcsheatingandcooling.com. So everyone likes to save money. Nobody wakes up in the morning and says, you know what, it's a beautiful day to spend thousands of dollars on my furnace. (laughs) So in order to save money, homeowners everywhere turn into do-it-yourselfers. So Rick, you've always fixed things around the house. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I've always been kind of mechanically inclined. Uh, I've had four different careers over my life. Uh, As a mathematics high school teacher, I did some route sales, um, uh, tool and die at... uh, 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 stamping plant and uh, maintenance technician in HVAC for Renee. All right. So, yeah, you joined us a few years ago. And when you came into HVAC, were you surprised by how much there was to learn? And I'm asking because you are a do-it-yourselfer. You've always done things around the house. So did you think it was something that you were just going to slide right into? Were you surprised by how much there was to learn? I was surprised by how much there was to learn. Back in the 70s, furnaces were, were fairly simple. They were a, a gas valve, a blower motor, and a, a, a flywheel, and a, a pilot light. And uh, today's equipment uh, is much more efficient than, you know, the 60%, 70% systems back in the day, uh, mm-hmm. especially the new equipment that uses PVC uh, plastic pipe for the flue Uh, Those are 95% plus efficient, and with that, you have to have a lot uh, more safety features involved, uh, you know, to shut it down in case something does go wrong because you don't want to catch things on fire. Right. (laughs) Yeah, let's try to avoid that and any do-it-yourself thing that we do at home, right? Yes. (laughs) So besides, besides changing the filter... You know, back in the day, was there anything with the HVAC system that you would do on your own? No, I, I wouldn't. Uh, uh, you know, at that time, I was quite young and, you know, learning mechanical things as I went along. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, of course, air conditioning was non-existent. Uh, I was well into my 30s before I had my first central air conditioning system. Well, that's true. I actually remember that being installed in our home. I remember because while it was being installed, we slept in the living room underneath the fan when it got really hot outside. And so we were so excited to have air conditioning in the house for the first time. So we're going to talk today about four do-it-yourself HVAC tasks, what can go wrong, tips for doing it right, and when to raise the flag and call a professional. 
So this has to do with some of your experiences as a homeowner, but also as a maintenance technician, when you were speaking with other homeowners, things that you would see them try to do on their own. Okay. So because we are all trying to save money, we're going to give some tips on making sure we, we do what we can correctly, but then also when to call a professional so we're not really spending more money than what we ha- would, would have had to if we would have just called somebody in the first place, if that makes sense. So the first one, washing out the condenser. So the condenser, the air conditioner, that box outside, all synonyms for the same thing, right? Yes. So talk to me a little bit about how to wash out the condenser. Well, the first thing is to make sure that you shut off the 240 volts of electricity going out to that unit. And uh, there is a disconnect on the outside of the house that you can pull, but I truly recommend pulling that and killing the power inside at your circuit breaker box. Okay. When you say, I'm going to interrupt you for just a second, because when you say 240 volts, that made my head snap around. Because when I think of 240 volts of electricity and water, they don't really go together. And from experience, it hurts. (laughs) Um, Yes. And that's the thing is to get the power turned off. uh, When you wash out that, that condenser coil, uh, most manufacturers use uh, very light aluminum fins on the coil, and just kind of like a car radiator. And uh, if you use too strong of a water pressure on that, uh, you can actually bend those fins, which mm-hmm. prevents air from passing through and allowing it to dump heat like it's intended to do. And so if you do that, you know, then the entire outdoor unit has to be disassembled and those fins straightened, if they can be. So okay. you could ruin your system if you get too aggressive with the water pressure. Okay, and it seems like such a simple thing to just take, and you hear it all the time. I see it online all the time. People say, hey, just go in. You don't need an HVAC professional to come out and clean your AC. Just take the hose and spray it out. That's literally what I'll see on Facebook and things. And so just keeping in mind that with the wrong water pressure, you can create damage inside your air conditioner. Yes. Also, you know, if you get super aggressive with the water and you happen to get water into the panel that has the electrical components in it, when you turn the power back on, your breaker may immediately trip. And once again, you have a problem. Okay. So just some of those tips, make sure that your system is off, watch the water pressure, and then does it need to be completely dry before you turn it back on? I I would let it sit a few minutes and and let the water kind of drain out to the bottom. Okay. I mean, it's, you're talking, you know, five, 10 minutes without air conditioning, it'll be just fine. Okay. So keep in mind that if you don't do these things, there's a lot that can go wrong, which will result in major, potentially some major repairs to your air conditioner, all because of spraying it out and trying to clean it yourself. Okay. So let's go on to number two. This is a big one as well. We get calls all the time from homeowners that try to replace their thermostat. Now it's advertised as something that's super simple to do. You can go to any home improvement store, you can go online and you can buy yourself a new thermostat. What can go wrong? Well, for starters, you could purchase the wrong thermostat for your application. Uh, You know, for example, a Honeywell thermostat, you can get it in one heat, one cool, two heat, one cool, two heat, two cools, three heat, two cools. And so you need to know what, (laughs) what you need. 
and it makes a difference on whether you have a gas furnace or an electric furnace with a heat pump. Um, the other big thing about changing out those thermostats is, and again, back in the day, thermostats had three or four wires. Uh, today's thermostats can have five, six, seven, eight wires. And so depending wow. on what you wiring you have in your walls may determine whether or not you can use a particular thermostat. So you may actually have to have an electrician or an HVAC company come and pull new wires just to replace your thermostat. Possibly, depending on, on what you have in your house. Okay. Now, in most circumstances, yes, you can change one by yourself. Uh, you may have to use uh, battery power instead of having electric. Uh, the big thing is, is that when you change these, again, you need to kill all of the power to the furnace because you can short those wires out just by uh, manipulating them and uh, blow the fuse that's on the control board in the furnace. And there are some furnaces that don't have a fuse on that control board, in which case the board itself blows. And now you're Ooh, talking right. $600 to $1,000 to repair that over saving you know, right, hundred bucks on a thermostat. So right, and it's yeah, because you're talking about actually replacing the board. There's not really a repair that's done to the board. You can't repair a board. Okay, so on those thermostats too, on some of our smart thermostats, there's a lot of programming that goes into play. Are there pretty clear instruction manuals that come with the thermostats that tell you how to program it? Some manufacturers do a good job of describing the programming sequences. Others are very puzzling, and if uh, you don't get it programmed correctly, uh, possibly your furnace works fine this year, and next spring you turn on your air conditioning and nothing. Ooh. <laughs> and it's not that anything's <laughs> broken, it's just that it's misprogrammed. Okay. Or if you have an electric furnace with a heat pump, uh, also known as an air handler, uh, you know, the heat pump doesn't kick on, but the air handler does. And you think everything's fine until you get that first uh, electric bill where it's increased by 400%. Oh, yeah. Oops. I, uh, you know what? We get calls about that quite often as people say, hey, my electric bill is suddenly $800, and I don't know why. And it turns out they've put a new thermostat on. And it, as you said, it either wasn't the correct thermostat for a heat pump application or the other thing that we've seen is people will have a two-stage heat pump or air conditioner and it's wired up to only work in one stage so they're missing some of the efficiency components that they invested in the system in the first place yes okay and that's a wiring issue or a programming issue most likely right yes Okay, so just watch on those thermostats. As Rick was saying, you know, you just want to make sure that number one, you have the correct thermostat. A lot of people think that it's way more expensive to get a thermostat from an HVAC company. Well, it is, you are going to pay more, but you're paying for a service. Whereas in a do it yourself situation, you're paying for a part, you're paying for a piece of equipment. Yes, it's always less expensive if, if you can do something yourself. Uh, however, when you do have the professionals out, the uh, installation will be correct and it will work. And if it doesn't work, 
they will make sure it works. That's it's their that's problem. Part of the of the of the perk of going with professional. Gotcha. So is that kind of how you decide whether you're going to do something around the house on your own or whether you're going to hire a professional? Like what, when you think about your own home, and it doesn't have to be HVAC, it could be anything around your home. What's it, what's it, what are some factors for you that help you decide whether you're going to do it yourself or whether you're going to have somebody come out? I, I have a lot of experience with do it yourself. Uh, I'm older. Uh, what, you're old? Is that what you're saying? You're admitting that you're old? <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. yes, okay. I'm older. <laughs> Uh, I don't roof anymore, and I don't do concrete anymore. Uh, I, I still do all of my own auto mechanics. Uh, a few things I, I turn to the professionals on, uh, you know, is wiring, household wiring beyond uh, changing light switches and outlets. I, I really have a respect for electricity. Uh, you know, I've had a couple of occasions where I've gotten shocked pretty well, and that that helps. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that helps decide. It, I don't it, want to do it, that again. Experience is a great motivator. <laughs> All right, so let's look at number three. All right, so cleaning cleaning different components of the furnace. So on gas furnaces, there are burners inside of there and there's a flame sensor. And some of these seem like really simple things to just go in there and clean. We know that dirty burners and a dirty, a dirty flame sensor can prevent your furnace from working properly. I'm not real technical, so I'm not gonna get into that, but it, it won't work right if they're dirty. I do know that. Now, a flame sensor is a part that it actually rarely needs replaced. It often needs replaced because it's been broken. So do you recommend those items as a do-it-yourself task to clean the burners, clean the flame sensor? The flame sensor uh, is basically a steel rod encased in ceramic. It's somewhat fragile. If you break the ceramic, that's about the only time that you need to replace it. They do, however, get dirty. Uh, if, if the furnace, uh, you know, if your inducer motor cycles and says, hey, the flu's clear, I'm ready to go, uh, the igniter will, will uh, turn orange. I'm sure you've all seen that. And then it, the gas valve dumps the gas. If that uh, flame sensor, metal rod, doesn't pick up some micro voltage, it'll shut everything down. It's a safety uh, uh, part on the furnace and they get dirty and they'll actually kind of turn a shade of green kind of mm. like you see on copper and uh, so you you uh, clean that off with the uh, emery cloth or sandpaper uh, every year and you know it won't malfunction as long as it's clean getting in there to get that some are quite simple some are not plus the fact that you're opening up the furnace panels and once again there's a live voltage in there uh, on a gas furnace, it's 110 volts. On a, an electric furnace, it's 220 volts. Um, and so you have to kind of, you know, how comfortable am I with the electricity on that? Again, the placement on these, some of them are up front. Some of them are buried in the back. And the ones in the hmm. back are really difficult to get to. Do you have to remove other parts to get to those? Usually not. Every okay. every once in a while, the ones that are buried in the back, you sometimes have to have to uh, take out some other parts to get to it. If you're having your maintenance done every year, uh, which are uh, often required by manufacturers if they're under warranty, um, you know this is part of the process. I wouldn't fool with it. Now, if you're out of warranty and you're feeling energetic, it, it's one of the 
least difficult things to do on a furnace. But again, there's power involved, there are capacitors in there, and even if you shut the power off, the capacitor will still shock you. So you have to be careful about that. You know, it's funny that you say that about the capacitor is because we talk to our technicians a lot too about wearing rubber wedding rings or not wearing jewelry of any kind at all. Because, you know, even if you don't have to take parts out of the furnace to work on something, you've got your hands and you're finagling in back there and, and you're you're trying to twist your way into different things. And man, if that if your metal wedding ring catches, whew. It hurts. Yeah. <laughs> Again from experience, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right, so that's one of those things. If you have maintenance done, I mean, you're talking $89 um, at the most. Most maintenance plans are less than that. To have your entire furnace serviced, it includes that service. So it's something to think about. Is that worth taking the chance of getting shocked or breaking this? It's the ceramic of the flame sensor that tends to break. Is that correct? Yes. 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 Okay, ceramic to me. As soon as I heard ceramic, I was like, oh, that is fragile. Um, you know, is it worth the risk? It may be. It may absolutely be. Just be careful and make sure that you know where that live voltage is so that you don't get shocked when you get in there. Yes. And then you also asked about uh, cleaning the, the burners. Uh, again, on some models, they are super simple to take out. On other models, they're extremely difficult to remove and, and clean. And you take them out and just uh, basically use a, a brush to, to clean out any dust and debris that's, that's built up over time. Okay. So are you willing to tackle it or not? Where is it located? How accessible is it? That's what you really need to be looking at. Yes. Okay. So number four, our final do-it-yourself HVAC task is changing a part because you can find it online. So many times there is a uh, misconception that just because you can find a part online that it's easy to replace. And so using an example, one of the most common repairs on on an air conditioner or a furnace is a capacitor. And so, is a capacitor easy to replace? A capacitor is fairly easy to replace. It is extremely dangerous if you don't know how to drain all of the energy that is in there. Uh, As an analogy, if you'll remember back to when we had uh, camera flashes, you would put batteries in them and you'd hear them wind up. Uh, oh, yeah. Until till you uh, actually click the button to make it flash. Well, that's that electricity being dumped out of that capacitor instantaneously. Uh, I guarantee you, if you touch one of those that has not been discharged, you will know it, up to and including death. Well, really? So you're not, you're not exaggerating or just being extreme here? No, like it no, could... it, they're, they're dangerous if, if you don't know what you're doing. Okay. And, and, okay. You know, that's why I was mentioning about when you take the panels off your, of your furnace... There's a capacitor somewhere in there for the blower motor. Now, some of the new ECM motors coming out don't have capacitors, but if you have an older standard motor, it has a capacitor in there somewhere. Do not touch it. Okay. So is that something, so for for the average homeowner, even somebody who feels like, you know, I am mechanically inclined, I could probably pull up a YouTube video and watch how to change my capacitor or watch how to change this blower motor or whatever. Do you recommend it? I don't, especially if you're replacing a blower motor, because the blower motor uh, mounts into the blower wheel and a uh, squirrel cage. Uh, I think most people know what what I mean by that, a blower cage. And uh, uh, they are not uh, extremely heavy duty like they used to be years and years ago. And so if everything doesn't match up perfectly, 
you know, it'll make noise, it won't work right, it'll sound like it's out of balance. And that's a situation where you should get a professional, plus the fact that there's a capacitor in there. <laughs> and we've already with. talked about that. Yes, we don't yes. even want anybody to die, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> All right. You know, I always say there's a reason that technicians receive so much ongoing training. Um, besides, you know, maybe a trade school that technicians go to, technicians in most fields, most trades, are constantly getting new training. Um, I think you mentioned before that equipment now is so much more advanced with safety features and technology and everything than what it used to be. So some of it is just staying up on that and all the programming and wiring. But a lot of it, I mean, we do, I mean, we, for example, we do regular safety meetings because every single day our technicians are working with electricity, gas, they're up on roofs, they're down in crawl spaces. Like there's just a lot of things to consider other than, you know, how cheap can I do this basically? Yes. And I am seeing new equipment that have multiple control boards and when i say a control board that's a, a circuit board and uh when those start to malfunction uh you know you have to, to be able to determine which board you just can't start replacing parts nilly-willy you have to figure out what's going on here uh, you know we were talking about all of the new safety components in in these systems and um, uh, you know, you can you could simply have a, a sensor start start to malfunction, and it'll shut down the entire system. Oh wow! And and so where older systems were quite reliable, you know, back in the 70s because there just wasn't anything to them. Uh, the the new systems are much more complicated. Now the difference is, is back in the day, you had 40% of your heat going out your chimney. Now it's staying in your house. Right. And so that's the trade-off you have, you have here is uh, the, the equipment being much more finicky as far as running two specifications because of the safety equipment to shut them down if something should malfunction. Right. And you know, I think as much as people don't want to spend money on things like HVAC or electrical or plumbing. I mean, those are our most basic necessities and, and comfort necessities in our home. I mean, our HVAC is one of the biggest investments in your home outside of a roof and, and some windows. Um, electrical, oh my goodness, there are so many things, like fire hazards, if the electrical isn't done properly. And plumbing, I think we all know that that's the number one thing none of us would want to live without. And so I don't know if you've ever had like a sewer backup or a drain backup, but it can cause a lot of damage. So really to know when to do those things yourselves, when to call a professional in. And, you know, I don't think, I heard somebody say um, not too long ago, and this really stuck with me, I don't think anybody really wants something cheap, right? I don't really want it done cheap. I just want a good deal. And so that's the thing to think about is when are you getting a good deal? And when is that good deal to do it yourself? When is it to call a professional? There are so many times that we've seen people try to do something on their own. They spend the money on the parts and all their time and gas and everything. And then they still end up having to have a professional come out and they ended up spending way more than what they would have spent if they would have done it themselves. So, you know, really just thinking about when does it make sense to do it myself and when does it make sense to have a professional in? That's correct. And, and when you do have to turn to professional, uh, uh, get multiple estimates. Absolutely. And then that way you'll know whether you're getting a good deal or not. 
Absolutely. There, there are good companies and there are not so good companies. In everything. In everything. Right, not just the trades. Yes. Absolutely. Well, Rick, thank you so much for the DIY advice today. I really enjoyed having you on. You're quite welcome. At LCS Heating and Cooling, we are all about lasting comfort solutions. So whatever your heating and cooling need may be, maintenance, repair, installation, we are here for you. But it's so much more than just that equipment. We really want you to be comfortable in your own home. So when thinking about humidity, dehumidification, duct cleaning, air quality, think of us here at LCS Heating and Cooling. You can find us online at lcsheatingandcooling.com. From LCS Heating and Cooling, I'm Renee Lucas. Thanks for joining me today on Talk and Trades. Please subscribe for my weekly tips, advice, and real talk about your home experience. You can also find us at lcsheatingandcooling.com or Facebook. Have an awesome day. From LCS Heating and Cooling in Indianapolis, Indiana, this is Talk and Trades. Real talk with Renee Lucas. Be sure to subscribe and follow this podcast now and discover even more great podcasts at allindianapodcastnetwork.com.